Welcome to Thrive Church, and I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. This is our Thanksgiving service. Don't we have a lot to be thankful for? Man, we have so much. God has been so good, and so we welcome you here. We are thankful for you at all of our campuses. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for you watching online and on TV. We are so grateful, and uh, uh, we are in a series this week called Science and the Bible, Science and the Bible. We started this a couple weeks back, and we're taking a look at uh, the differences and the similarities between what God's Word says and what science says. And in our world, uh, people tend to imply that there is no middle ground, that you either believe in one or the other. In fact, one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Nacho Libre. Any Nacho Libre fans here? Okay, a couple of you guys. And, and one of the, the famous lines from that is, is when he's trying to get his fighting partner, he says, you know, why are you so upset that I, don't, that I only believe in science? And the idea, right, is that you can only believe in God or you can believe in science, but they, they don't mix. Now, science, what science actually is, is simply systematically pursuing the evidence, systematically pursuing evidence. That's all that science is, is you're saying, if there's evidence, I want to explore it. I want to go into it without any preconceived ideas. However, that's very difficult, if not impossible to do. And, and as we do that, we can learn about the natural world. But also, if we go into God's word with the same perspective, we can learn about who God is. Now, as we study scripture, we are still learning wisdom from the Bible, from God's word. Even to this day, there's still things that we're unlocking, things from, from modern medicine to the human body, and, and everything in between, we are learning new things about how God operates and how God created this world. Did you know this? In your notes, if you're taking them, you can write this down. That humans are unique in the animal kingdom. Did you know that? That we're unique. Now, when you go to school, they try to imply that we're not very unique. You know, they say, well, well you're a mammal, just like a dog or a cat. And, and it kind of like, like, well, I thought I was special. It's like, no, no, you're not special. You're just kind of like every other mammal. And then you can start to, to discover, like, what's the smartest animal out there? You know what people say at least one of the smartest animals is? Anybody know what the smart, one of the smartest animals a pig, well, yeah, they're, they're pretty smart, I guess. Well, not too smart, not when they're baking on the plate, you know. Um, they say a chimpanzee, right? A chimpanzee, they say, is, is, is one of the most intelligent. And some people even go so far as to say chimpanzees are more intelligent than human beings. Do you know why they say that? Because they can recognize themselves in a mirror. Like, wow, <laughs> that's, I, I do that every day. I'm like, hey, who are you? Wait, I know you. <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the things. Another thing is that they can recognize the correct order of a sequence of random images, and they can do that faster. So they say, chimpanzees are more intelligent than human beings. Like, congratulations, you know. I mean, now, the question that I always wonder when somebody says, oh, chimpanzees are more intelligent than human beings, I'm like, who's doing this research study here? Are the chimpanzees doing the research study, or are we doing the research study? Because if they were so intelligent, I think they would have us engaged as being with a little clipboard saying, okay, let's see, you know, what we have here. Oh, this is a person. Like, like they're not that much, you know, they say, oh, they're, they're more intelligent. You know, I don't see chimpanzees going to space and coming back. Well, actually, I take that back. Um, 
Ham was the first chimpanzee to go to space in 1961. But let's be clear, he didn't build the rocket, okay? In fact, if you asked him, I don't even think he would have volunteered for it. Like, he didn't have any choice in the matter. They're like, they put him in the capsule, they rocket him up there, and like, pull a few levers, and he did. And miraculously, he came back and lived to tell the tale. Well, he couldn't tell the tale because he can't talk, you know, but they're more intelligent than humans, I'm sure. Um, See, it's absurd sometimes the things that we say, and I think that they do that because they, they want it to seem like, like, oh, it's just this very gradual process in all of the natural kingdom, and you're just a little bit different from everything else. You're not that special. See, evolution just kind of evolves this way. So we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start at the story of, of man. Did you know that our bodies... Everybody's got a body, right? Our bodies are made from the dust of the ground. That's what it says in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So he's got like a little sculpture project here. You know, he takes all this dust and he forms man from the dust of the ground. And it says, He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. He breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living person. Like that, that, that's miraculous, right? He just takes the, the, the dust and he breathes into it. And we're like, wow, that, that's crazy. I don't know. Like, like, we have a hard time believing that, and yet we'll think that like somehow some like little primordial sludge kind of magically evolved into who we are. Like, no, like this is what it says here. Now, scientists have discovered, in your notes, scientists have discovered that the human body is composed of 28 elements all found in earth. Right? And right here in the Bible, it says that we were created from earth, from the dust of the earth. God formed us. Like they had no way of really knowing that back then. They had no way. When, when, when these you know, books were penned, nobody knew, oh, this is actually the, the fundamental components of the human body. But now we know that it's true that our body is comprised essentially of the dirt from the ground. Before sin, God made us from the dirt and breathed his breath into us, giving us life. And then after death, after sin, when we started to die, then our bodies would then decompose and return to dust. This is why sometimes at funerals we'll say something like, you know, ashes to ashes and dust to dust because the human body on average will fully decay in around 100 years. So God creates man out of the dust of the ground and he breathes life into him. And now he becomes a living, breathing human being. You know the next, next thing God does in this whole thing? He puts Adam to sleep. He puts him to sleep. He knocks him out. And he does surgery on the guy. It's like, he's like, you know what? We got to do something else here. We're going to do some surgery. And he performs a procedure on Adam that would normally be very painful, which surgery, like nobody wants to go into to surgery where your body's getting opened up. Perhaps you've had surgery before. You don't want to be fully awake in this process. God puts Adam to sleep and performs surgery on him. And, and, and so he does this. Now, this is something that ancient civilizations knew nothing about. Anytime they would try to operate on somebody, they would just, you know, have them bite something and like, here we go. We're just going for it, okay? But God put him to sleep. That seems kind of insignificant, but this is something that the ancient civilizations knew nothing about. In fact, we still know very little about it today. 
Has anybody ever had any anesthesia before? Maybe you had a surgery or put on? Okay, most of us have had some kind of surgery where you were put under so that you could go into surgery and not experience any of the, 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 the trauma from the surgery experience. We use anesthesia approximately 230 million times across the globe every year, 230 million times. And, and we've been using it for over 150 years in surgeries and medical procedures. And you know what the crazy thing is? We don't know how it works. Only up until recently, in the last 10 to 15 years, only then have they begun to really uncover the how and why. They knew it did work, but they didn't know why. They're like, hey, if we inject this person with this thing, they'll get knocked out. But they didn't know why it worked until about 10 to 15 years. Even now, more data is coming out. Unfortunately, a lot of the data is conflicting with each other, maybe because they're not practicing you know, accurate scientific method. I don't know exactly, but here's the thing. They didn't even know how it worked, why it worked. They just knew that it worked, and here God is putting Adam to sleep to perform surgery on him. It says this in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 21. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the opening. So he's performing surgery on this guy, okay? Verse 22. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Formed a woman from, from the rib. Now, in verse 21, though, we're given this interesting insight that, that God goes in and he takes out the rib. And it's kind of like this insight into like, like grafting, like bone grafting. And, and only recently are we beginning to learn how special the rib is in this story. See, man was alone. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to create a helper for the man. God needed to create a helper, so God created another person, a woman, from Adam's rib. But Adam didn't lose a piece of himself that day. See, God designed man knowing and planning for this very moment. The theologian Matthew Henry said this, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. So here we see God putting Adam to sleep, doing surgery, extracting a rib, forming another human out of this rib. Did you know there's approximately 204 bones in the human body? That's pretty much what you guys brought with you. Like, unless if you're missing some digits or something like that, you probably have around 204 bones in your body. You know, some of us are afraid of skeletons. Well, you've got one. You're carrying it around. We're just like a bag of bones walking around all the time. 204 bones in the body. But write this down in your notes. The only bone capable of regenerating itself is the rib. Isn't that fascinating? That the only bone that has the ability to totally regenerate itself, renew itself, is the rib. Out of 200 options of bones, could have pulled out the pinky bone, could have pulled out a femur, could have pulled out the skull. I mean, you could have pulled out anything, but yet it was the rib. Was it just simply luck? That when they wrote Genesis, that, that, that this account uses the fact that, that God is pulling the rib out of Adam? We didn't know much about this until the 1840s. A little over 100 years ago, we started to begin to under, uh, uh, understand what a rib can actually do. That ribs are the only bone that can regenerate or regrow completely. Modern medical observations have shown this, that a section of rib can regenerate in about one to two months, and a larger portion of the rib, it only takes about six months for the rib to fully grow back again. Fascinating. That's the rib. Consider the eye. 
We all got them, right? Man, some of us have, you know, different colored eyes. Some of us have eyes that need correction, like mine. You know, I can't see very well. Take my contact lenses out, and I'm just hopeless. Like, I can't do anything. Um, but we, have, we all have eyes for the most part. Not everybody has the, the use of them, but most of us have them. And here, look what it says in Exodus uh, chapter 4, verse 11. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? God is saying that he is the one that gives us sight. He is the one that gives us our eyeballs, the ability to see. Have you ever pondered how amazing our eyeballs are? Like, have you ever thought about it before? Like, I mean, we probably have. Like, yeah, wow, it's great. We can see. But, like, have you ever really thought about it? The human eye, okay, the human eye is approximately 576 megapixels. Okay, so, so for some of you photography buffs, you know, that's a lot. That, that's, that's 10 times what the average smartphone can do. So the average smartphone doesn't even come closer to the human eye can. Um, and, and, and the frustrating thing about it is we go to a concert, and instead of just watching it with our eyeballs, we're just like glued to the phone, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to live stream this so everybody can not watch this, you know? And, um, and, and so we're watching it through, through the, the, this little kind of uh, low-quality uh, camera, that has a very narrow field of view. Our eyes, man, we got a very wide, uh, you know, a field of view. We can see things. We can focus on things. We have peripheral vision. We can see all around us. I mean, this is amazing. 576 megapixels. In fact, the top uh, uh, high-end professional uh, camera that I could personally find was called the Phase 1 XF. And, and that is 151 megapixels and sells. You can go and buy one for yourself, buy a couple for Christmas. They're only $52,000, okay? $52,000, 151 megapixels. In other words, the human eye is functioning at around four times the quality, the resolution of the highest quality consumer or, or professional grade camera that you can go out and buy uh, not being a scientist or whatever, your eyeball has more than 2 million working parts. It has the fastest and the strongest muscles in your body proportionately. They're 100 times stronger than they actually need to be. They move like a lightning speed. They can focus on, on things. They can bounce back and forth from things. There, there's 256 unique characteristics about each and every eye. This is why retina scans work. Uh, the, the, the fingerprint has about 40 different unique characteristics. Your eye has 256, meaning that every human eye is different from everyone else's, and yet it still functions. That, that's amazing. On top of that, we blink our eyes around 5.2 million times every year. Like, so we have these lenses, and they're self-cleaning. We've got these eyelids that are constantly, let's do a staring contest right now. Okay, ready, go. You know, it's like, like we have these eyelids that, that, that are cleaning, we have eyelashes, we have all these things that are, that are there for protecting our eyeballs because they're so important to us. They can detect around 10 million different color hues, and they can focus on something at an instant. They can focus very close, they can focus very far, you, they can adjust to the ambient light, whether it's light or dark. They can process up to 36,000 pieces of information an hour. And guess what? Not only that, it's all in three-dimensional. 
Like, isn't that amazing? Like, it's all 3D. Like, we can tell how far something is away. You can see something. Oh, I know how far that is. I can throw a ball. Or the ball's coming at me. I can reach out and catch it because I see everything in three dimensions. This is an amazing organ. Second only to our brain. You know, in your notes, only God could create an organ as complex as an eye or a brain. Only God could do that. Like, how, 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 how does this just happen? It cannot happen by chance. Like, you, you see how absurd the idea is, thinking that something like this could happen by chance. Like, computers and, and, and cameras don't just magically happen by chance. They don't just magically happen and be better than we can even fathom or create even to this very day. So the eye, you got the brain, right? Anybody got a brain? <laughs> Some of us have more, have more use of ours than other people, perhaps, but we have a brain, right? Now, a high-performing computer, some of you have, most of us all have computers. Now, high-performing computer, if you buy it, now, now, now we're, we're going to get into, like, some numbers here, so you're going to have to follow me, and I don't know, I, don't, I, I can barely understand it myself, so hopefully we can hang for just a minute, okay? This part will be over quick, I promise. Um, the average high-performing computer can do around 32 billion operations every second, okay? 32 billion operations every second. That's what the average computer or the average high-end computer can do. How does that compare to the world's fastest computers? Well, one of the world's fastest computers is called Lumi, and it's located in Finland. Now, the average computer can do 32 billion, well, Lumi, this mega, what they call a supercomputer, can do 375 million billion, okay? So that's a billion, 375 million times. In other words, in other words, this supercomputer is 100 million times faster than the computer that you have at home. That's how fast this world, this supercomputer is. You know how fast the brain is? Three times faster than that. Three times faster than that. That means it could do one billion, billion. I don't even know what that number is, but it's a lot. One billion, billion operations each and every second. Now, to give credit where credit's due, Hewlett Packard just released a brand new supercomputer this year that finally hit that speed for a small cost of $600 million dollars. And it takes up an entire warehouse in order to do this. And, and, and so that, that is all right between your ears. Like, like, like that's how much. Now, now, how much storage does your brain have? You ever wonder, like, how much storage do I have? Like, like will, will I ever run out of storage? Like, how much hard drive space did I come with when I got this brain? Well, they say that, that the average brain, okay, I have a, an external hard drive here. This is a terabyte hard drive, which is 1,000 gigabytes, okay? So 1,000 gigabytes, one terabyte. I have one terabyte in my hand. The average human brain can handle 2,500 terabytes. This times 2,500. Or if you think in gigabytes, that would be uh, 2.5 million gigabytes of data your brain can store. Imagine how many 2,500 of these would be. That'd be huge. And yet you got this like little lump of gray matter inside of your head that we don't even think about how to use it. You don't have to have a computer science degree. You don't have to do anything. It's just there, collecting data, storing data, collecting data, storing data. And guess what? You can recall the data, can't you? For the most part, like as we get older, yeah, not so much. It's a little slower, you know, than it used to be. 
But for the most part, we can, we can recall data. Now, when you look at data structures, right, like sometimes you think about, like, I, if I'm going to file data, I'm going to file it maybe by, um, by date. So I file everything by date. Or you can say, I'm going to file everything by type instead, right? Guess what? Your brain can do both. Right? Your brain can file by date. You can say, hey, what did you do last Tuesday? You say, oh, I know what I did last Tuesday, and I can tell you. Or, or you can see a person. You say, oh, I remember when the last time I saw you. But then we also mix in the olfactory sense, right? You ever go somewhere, and you smell a smell, and you're like, oh, I remember that smell. It triggers a memory. Or you're driving down the road, and you hear a song. You're like, oh, oh, that song reminds me of somebody that I used to be in love with or something like that. And, and, and our brains are triggered by these other senses. Like these supercomputers can't even come close to that. And, and we just take it for granted. Small, uh, smell images, that we can see image, image recognition, right? From a very early age, you can see a sphere and say, that's a ball. You can recognize faces, facial recognition. Do you know how many years and billions of dollars it's taken them to get computers that can basically do a bad job at image recognition, uh, uh, facial recognition? And now our, our brains can all do that. And you know how much energy it takes to run your brain? About 12 to 20 watts. That's it. 12 to 20 watts. That's it. These supercomputers are like, they have to have whole power sensors just to run the computers, and, and your brain can just do it. It just does it. 12 watts. It's kind of low, low power. Nothing fancy here. It says in Proverbs 2, verse 6, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That's interesting. Because... Not, we're not just talking about storage and speed, which hopefully I didn't lose you entirely in that. But we're also talking about knowledge and wisdom, right? Like that's something a computer doesn't have. Like a computer's got the storage and the speed, but it doesn't have knowledge and wisdom. Knowing the right thing to do and when to do it and knowing how to do it. And it doesn't have creativity. Some of you are artists. You're creative. You're builders. You're constructors. So where does all of this come from? How do you get logic out of chaos, how do you get, get beauty out of something that's random? How do you get order out of randomness? In your notes, if you're taking them, you cannot get order and logic from randomness. This is something that was created. How do we know this? God says that we were created in his image. No wonder we can build things. No wonder we're creative. No wonder we love beauty. These are attributes of God that he placed in us. This is not even to mention things like emotions and feelings and attitudes, and we get attitude adjustment. As we're coming up to Thanksgiving, right, one of the attitudes is, is gratitude, the fact that we can be grateful. Like you've never met a computer or a cell phone or anything that's just grateful. It's like, you know, just thank you. Thank you so much for plugging me in every day, you know. Thank you for, for taking care of me. Thank you for the new case. Like it's just so nice. I love, you know, rose gold or whatever, you know. I, I mean, it, it's, it's not grateful, but yet we are. So the brain gives storage and speed, and with a computer, there's something else that we need, right? And that's software. Software. The software of the human body is what? It's DNA. We have four bases. Now, if you look at computer software, computer software is usually what's called binary. It's ones and zeros. It's just two things that they go back and forth, and they write all this code. DNA is four bases instead, which they've actually determined is a exponentially more efficient way of storing data. In fact, they say in one milligram of DNA, you could store the entire works of the Library of Congress and still have room left over. One milligram of DNA. DNA, we have, we have it. That's, who, that's what makes us who we are. It's, it's the program. It's the software. You know how much, like, like if you took that and you compared it to modern-day software, our DNA 
would be 75 million lines of code. So what does that mean, 75 million lines of code? Well, if you have a, a computer that's running, say, Windows 10 on it, maybe, um, that's approximately 50 million lines of code. If you've ever gotten on Facebook, you know, Facebook, some of you are like, I don't go on Facebook anymore. Well, you know what? Facebook is 60 million lines of code. Your DNA, 75 million lines of code. Now, I've got some paper here. If you printed out 1 million lines of code, this is just 1 million lines of code. If you just said, I'm going to print out this piece of software, I'm going to print it out. 1 million lines of code, right there, 18,000 pages. 1 million lines of code. In fact, if you were a software engineer and you wrote a million lines of code, they estimate there would be 100,000 bugs in it. You know what bugs are, right? Like these are the, the security issues and all that stuff. The best software uh, programmers in the world, when they ship out software, on average, it still has about 1,000 bugs in it that they were not able to get out. And this is why we're continually running updates, like all the time. Update. Do you want to install this update? Do you want to install this update? It's because they have all these bugs in it. A million lines of code, one million lines of code would take 67 people 40 months to write it. That's 223 human years combined together to write 1 million lines of code. It would cost, on average, somewhere between 20 and 40 million dollars, okay? That's how much it would cost to write a million lines of code. The human DNA, 75 million. Take this, multiply it by 75, and that's the DNA in your body. That's the DNA in your body. And then we say, well, there, this all just happened by chance. Like, like nobody looks at, you know, Windows 10 and says, wow, this must have just happened. This, this is amazing. There's no coder. There's no software engineer. Like, you have to be stupid to think that a software engineer wrote Google or wrote Facebook or Instagram. Like, no, this just happened. See, what they did is they took ones and zeros. They took a lot of them, and they put them in a big 50-gallon drum, and they shook them up, and they dumped it on the ground, and what? There's Facebook. I mean, honestly, that is kind of, well, I think, what Facebook is like. But, but here's the thing. Like, like, you cannot see software and assume that it just magically happened by chance. And the fact that it works, now we can say, sure, some of us have some weird things about us, right? Some of us have some little quirks. Some of us have some things that we wish we could change. Some of us are attractive. Some of us aren't. Some of us have parts of our body that don't work properly. And, and yeah, there's occasionally some bugs. But when you look at the magnitude of scale, the fact that we're even alive, Man, it's a, it's a miracle. You know, one fertilized egg begins to build a person, and it has all the information that it needs. Right there, you don't even have to do anything. It just, it just builds, builds. In your notes, if you're taking them, a single cell contains all the information required to create human life. Did you know there's enough DNA in your body to go to the moon and back 178,000 times if you stuck it end to end? Now, here's the thing. It's not, not just the code, though, right? Because what's software without a computer? What's software without, without, without the systems and the cells that can read the code and operate that code and have 3D printing abilities so that when you get a cut, it can go in there and patch that back up again and it can still make you look like who you are and, and it can go and fix you and, and allows you to live. And guess what? The whole thing, your whole body operates on organic matter, on food, on water, on air, and on sunshine. You don't have to plug in every night. 
You, you don't, and you know what? Honestly, we don't even take care of ourselves that well, and we still operate. Like, you, you might live off of Twinkies and diet soda, and, and you still are alive and functioning. It's amazing. We could go on and on about the complexities of, of, of smell and touch and taste and pain and finger movements. You ever notice finger movements? Like, do you know how long it took people to be able to come up with a robotic hand that can move like this? And the fact that you could go and you could pick up a feather or a needle or something so gentle. Or you could take something and you could hold on for dear life. All, all just in the, the complexity of our hands. Or in how bones heal. You know, people give doctors a lot of credit for healing people. But really, doctors only, all they can do is they can create an environment that healing happens more efficiently, right? You know, you, you get your bone broken. Well, they, they can't make the bone grow back together, but they can put it in a position that it'll heal more straight. Like, that, that bone is going to heal one way or the other. But they put it in a position so that way it's conducive that you can live your life more effectively after. Or the fact of our hearing and how our hearing is three-dimensional. Somebody can, can say hello to you and you turn you immediately know where they are. Like this is miracles. Like, like the fact that you're here in your notes, the fact that you are here and alive is a miracle. Like it's, 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 it's a miracle. It's mind-blowing. The fact that you can... You can listen and understand the fact that you can see and comprehend the fact that you are alive. This is a miracle. Look at me. You are a miracle. You are a miracle. And we take that for granted each and every day. We take it for granted. We take it for granted. Um, we're going to close with this. We're going to read uh, one chapter. I want to read the whole chapter, the whole stinking thing, okay? Um, psalm 100. This is a Psalm of David. Shout with joy to the Lord, all you earth. Shout for joy. Worship the Lord with gladness. Worship the Lord. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. And we are, just underline this whole verse three. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are his. Acknowledge that God made each and every one of us. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. And his unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Here's the miracle. You are not an accident. No matter what a scientist says, no matter what a disgruntled professor says, no matter what your parents said, you are not an accident. You are not an anomaly. You are not a mistake. You're not here by random chance, but God created you. You know that there's a reason to be alive. This is why we're searching for purpose, for meaning, for something to fill the void, because God created you. He designed you, and he's given each of us a unique purpose and a unique mission, and he deserves our praise. He deserves our thanksgiving, and he is worthy. He alone is worthy. He's a mastermind mind. He created all things and he created you and he made you and he gave you life and above all, he loves you and he wants you in his family. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the miracle of life that we're even here, even able to stand on two feet. Man, it's mind-blowing. There's no way this could happen by chance. No way this could happen without a creator. 
And not only did you create us, but you love us. What did we do to deserve that? So God, we thank you for your goodness. If you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, maybe you're questioning the existence of God. Try a scientific experiment. Try observation and experimentation. Scripture says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on his name. Try, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Won't you call on his name? If you believe God raised Jesus from the dead, say, Jesus, you are my Lord. And see what he does in your life. See the many wonders, the miracles that will happen in your life when you take the step of faith and believe. So, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the hope that you've given us. And we give thanks to you, not only here at Thanksgiving, but every time of the year we give you thanks because you are good. You are powerful. You are a creator. You are a mastermind and a genius. And nothing compares with your wisdom. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.